Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. This is quarter number one. And a reminder, despite that game... They're not canceling the rest of the season. They're actually going to continue playing. And guess what? The whiteout game is coming up. Great chance to remind you, you got to have your whiteout beer for the whiteout game. If you're heading into State College for the game this week, and I hope you still will, you didn't jump off that ledge yet, that means tailgating, and that means you got to pick out your favorite beer for the event and none better than the whiteout from our friends at New Trail Brewing. Just stop off at W.R. Hickey and State College, and you can pick up your whiteout beer. And you know what? Doesn't matter how the game goes, you'll be a winner at your tailgate. All right, Dustin, we got to talk about it. It was an ugly, ugly game. In fact, let me, let me put it this way, Dustin. Been a sports fan all my life, and I'm used to having my teams, eventually you lose games, and typically you're disappointed. I think a lot of our listeners know that I'm a Mets fan. Last week, when the Mets got eliminated, I saw something different. The Mets fan base, I think, was angry more than disappointed. And here we are just a week later. I think I could say the same thing about the Penn State fan base. I don't think they're disappointed. I think they're angry. And, and I do think this was something that, you know, we had to watch coming into the year is like, what's, what's going to happen. That's going to change some of these consistent themes that we've seen. Obviously 2020, 2021, they happened. There were reasons for them, the pandemic year and last season, all those injuries piled up. But now, I mean, I think what you are seeing and there's, you know, a bunch of good stats to support it is some of the same stuff happening. And and in this situation, one of the things that has continuously been a theme is just getting beat up and dominated at the point of attack. And boy, was that consistent for 60 full minutes and really showed just how difficult it is to try and win a game when that's collapsing on you as an offense and when the other offensive line is getting a push and you're starting uh, with their hands on you two yards downfield. Things don't go well no matter how much skill position talent you have, how much athleticism you have, how many star ratings you know are in your defensive backfield. None of that stuff really matters if you get absolutely owned up front. And make no mistake about it, Penn State got absolutely owned up front. This is a Michigan team that, I mean, I think comparable situations in terms of replacing starters on the defensive line, replacing starters on the offensive line. Not that there's ever really a rebuild. I don't think Michigan's all that more talented in both of those positions than Penn State. So what exactly is it that makes Michigan so much better prepared to kill Penn State up front? You know, Blake Corum is interviewed after the game and he's talking about his offensive line crushing Penn State. And that is exactly what happened. And that's what I think is making people angry. It's Michigan did not have more talent necessarily. They were playing at home, sure. But this was ownership 
pure and simple. And it just continues James Franklin, you know, the trend of not playing well out of a bye week, which I don't really understand how the bye week is utilized or how it should be utilized that they're not. And it continues the trend of playing top 10 teams and it not going very well for, for Penn State under James Franklin. So I think that's where the anger is coming from. Just the degree to which Penn State was dominated, that was a hopeless endeavor. You know, they got a couple good bounces and stuff and, and managed to hang around later than they should have. But the same thing that was happening in the first quarter was happening in the fourth quarter as well. How does this occur, Dustin? A, a couple weeks ago, Michigan escaped at home against Maryland. A week ago, they were tied at halftime with Indiana. Now, I know Penn State was close at halftime, which was not indicative of how the game went. 18 first downs to one first down was more indicative of how that game was going at halftime. So I don't understand. How does that happen? I mean, the only thing I can possibly say to explain that is Michigan played their C game against C opponents. You know, the and they played their A game against Penn State in, in a game that they knew truly mattered. They knew they needed their A game. Um, that offensive line, that defensive line uh, really played extremely well. So I feel like it was Michigan playing their A game. Penn State wasn't playing their A game by any stretch, but I think a lot of that was what Michigan was doing to them and how hopeless it felt. Like, I feel like we talked about this game on several occasions between the summertime and even through last week, I think. And we kind of talked about, okay, like defensively, we talked last week about, okay, what, what do they have to prove yet? And we didn't we say it was the interior of the defense? It was holding up to that physicality. It was, you know, knowing that Mich- what Michigan was going to try to do and being able to be physical enough to withstand it. They weren't. And so I think that physical dimension, Penn State wasn't ready for that. And I just, I just think Michigan kind of slept walk through a couple of those opponents, if we're being honest. I mean, you know Maryland can can sneak up on from time to time and, and put their A game together and and at the, in this situation gave Michigan a scare. So maybe maybe Maryland deserves some credit, but I think Michigan was just playing down to their competition. That's the only rational explanation I can come up with because that wasn't the Michigan we saw on Saturday. Okay, Dustin, let's just stipulate. They got beat up front, line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. Let's go into some of the specifics and some of the things, other things that really bothered me during this game. First of all, first couple possessions for Michigan, give Penn State's defense credit in that. They held them to three points per possession. They got tough in the red zone. And at that point, I'm saying to myself, you know what? That, this is the way a lot of games go, where a team dominate, but they only put up field goals. So I'm still thinking Penn State's in good shape. But let's talk about those first two possessions where they went three and out. Anyone who's been listening to this show the last couple weeks, I'm sure they were tired of hearing me say it. Throw the ball on first down. It's not illegal. You are allowed to pass the ball on first down. So what did they do? Come out to the first possession, run the ball for one yard, okay? Then it's third and one. Besides the fact that third and one, you can't run the ball for first down. And let's face it, every Penn State fan sitting there was scared of that third and one play, okay? But what adds to that one, and I wanted to ask you about this, 
watching the game live, I saw this, and then I saw a screen capture of it. There was literally like no one on the left side of Michigan's defensive line, Penn State's right side. This sixth-year quarterback, should he not be capable to look up, see that, which is right in front of him, maybe it's a tap, you tap the center's right butt cheek to let him know, I'm just going to sneak it that way. Am I the only one who saw that and had an issue with it? Uh, no, I don't think you were. And uh, and I think when one of the biggest compliments that you can pay your six-year quarterback is to say, he gets us in the right play. Okay, and so now you have a, here a situation where your your defense is on their heels, and or and they're they're reeling a little bit. You're starting to kind of sense like they're going to have a hard time getting off the field if it keeps going this way. You need the third down, and and for for your quarterback not to live up to his primary quote unquote strength in that situation uh, is a tough deal, you know. And I, I think that was one of those things like experience was was Sean Clifford's thing and you know, just didn't pay any dividends in that situation. And it was an important situation. I don't know that you changed the complexion of the game necessarily, but man, you owed your defense early in this game to at least not go three and out and shove them right back out there against a mauling offensive line and, and, a, and a power run game. So that was a big miss. And, um, you know, and I, and I do feel like when you're scared of that disadvantage you have up front, you can't run and hide from it. it. It limits your playbook. It limits your options. If you can't take a yard to the bank against an opponent, which, you know, speaking of themes, I mean, that's something that over the years has been a a, a legitimate gripe is Penn State, Penn State not being able to just make a third and one automatic or make a third and two automatic. Um, they make it, they make it too much of an adventure. And here you go. I mean, third and one early in this game, have a chance to at least get a first down and get a fresh set of downs and, and to be able to kind of give your defense another couple minutes to breathe and you weren't able to do it. And the lack of recognition absolutely should be frustrating. So now you have two, three and outs, you get the ball back by the way, on the second three and out again, they ran the ball on for first down for very short yardage. So now the third try you've had two, three and outs trying to establish the run and I think I will go crazy if I hear that one more time. Now, oh, you passed the ball on first down. See, Jim, that's what you wanted. No, I wanted it the first time when it actually has a chance of fooling the defense. By this third go-round where you had zero success up to this point, are you now surprising the defense by throwing the ball on first down, Dustin? No, you're not. You know, I think that's exactly what they anticipate. You know, a total lack of success doing it initially is going to have them ready for the, you know, adjustment off the adjustment. And, uh, you know, I, I really am kind of beginning to think, you know, from one coordinator to the next, you know, some of the same things kind of remain. And so, like, when you look at Michigan, Jim Harbaugh remains in his core philosophy, which, you know, frankly, sometimes seems outdated until his team does something like this, until his team beats Ohio State last season. Uh, his core philosophy remains, and I think some of James Franklin's core philosophies, his core beliefs as a coach, his maybe maybe it's his insistent that we gotta we gotta establish the and and he's a little bit too you know uh, adamant about that. Maybe his core philosophy is transcending from one coordinator to the next, and some of the things that you complain about now 
are really issues with the head coach and and less so about Mike Yersich. It's his deal to establish a big picture strategic decision. And then Mike Yersich has to operate within those confines because he, that's his boss. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do feel like, you know, what's remaining from year to year under James Franklin, it, it has to do a lot with a lot of these common frustrations for Penn State fans. That has to be on James Franklin, especially when you're starting the game that way. You know, I no matter what Mike Yersich decides to do, those first couple possessions, even if they're not scripted, they know what they want to establish. They've been talking about that all week or all two weeks, and that's what they came up with. It, it, I'm sorry, there's something wrong going on there. Dustin, that's it for quarter number one. I will tell you, quick preview for quarter number two, Salty Jim will remain. Stay tuned for that. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Salty Jim. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. One more reminder, it is whiteout week coming up, and then Ohio State the following week. We got two home games coming up. It's a perfect time to remind you, gopsurv.com. Still has just a couple RVs available for these next two games. It's a fantastic way to spend your weekend in Happy Valley. Get to tailgate throughout the entire weekend. 
get a ride to and from the ball game. RVs are beautiful, all set up and ready for you. If you're still looking for a place to stay these next two weekends, give Mark a call at 800-519-8467, and you won't regret it. It's an absolutely great time. All right, Dusty, let's get back to this game. And as I promised, Salty Jim, they were physically whipped. And before I get into my perhaps nitpicking, because I think there were things beyond just getting physically whipped, you brought up a good point. You sent it to me in your notes. We were talking about it between segments. This is not Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia who are recruiting way better than Penn State, way better than everybody else in the country. This is Michigan who they're recruiting well, but so is Penn State. So how does this... James Franklin's trying to tell us that this was a physical mismatch. How could that be if you're recruiting on the same level? Well, I mean, I'm sure it comes down to who you're recruiting and why you're recruiting them. But I mean, like, without getting a chance to watch a bunch of Michigan practices and without getting a chance to watch a bunch of Penn State practices... The only thing I can possibly say is that the tone set each and every day at, at Michigan is a completely tone different tone than the one that's being set at Penn State. And, you know, Penn State is always going to have its moments because there's a lot of talent there. Uh, there is there's great skill position talent. You know, I thought prior to this past weekend that you're starting to see a glimmer of hope along the offensive line. That's going to have to that's going to be due for a big time reassessment, I would say, after that. But yeah, I, I really feel like it's what the commitments are, what the values are, what the cornerstones are of the Michigan program versus the Penn State program. And the cornerstones of the Michigan program, you know, I think they want to be one of the top two or three most physical teams in the country and let the chips fall where they may after that. They have a much more firm identity than what Penn State has, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They have they have a clear you know, outline of what they're trying to do, how they're trying to do it, and why they're trying to do it, where that, to me, remains a big question about, okay, what exactly are you trying to accomplish, uh, again, especially on the offensive side of the ball? What would you say the hallmark of this Penn State offense is and has been? And there's not really ever a clear answer. This year, the answer is, we're going to be a balanced offense. That's our That's our identity that we're starting to grow into. Well, I mean, it's hard to be a balanced offense when you get whipped at the point of attack, which which Michigan did. Now, a lot of credit goes to Michigan because that's what they're trying to do. And they went out there and did it and executed unbelievably. And really just, uh, I, I borrow a word from P.J. Mustafer, embarrassed Penn State. So I, I have to think that what they're doing, you know, it's, it's embracing physicality every single rep of every single practice. And that's what Jim Harbaugh wants out of his program. Yeah, there's some old school to it. Yeah, it's an old school power running game when everybody else is going in a different direction. But you know what? If, if their commitment to physicality gives them an advantage over, over almost all their opponents in the trenches, you know what? That makes life a whole lot easier elsewhere. And it's not like they're devoid of talent anywhere else. You know, they've got their quarterback now. They've always got outstanding players on defense. They're just taking what they're getting talent-wise, and I think they're more purposeful in what they're trying to achieve with that talent. Maybe that's, my, that's probably an oversimplification, but 
Um, that's good. I mean, that is a reasonable explanation for what we saw on Saturday. Two comparably talented teams, one just getting pushed around by the other. Okay, Dustin, let me continue with my nitpicking. Perhaps, perhaps my favorite play when you get into the red zone is the fade pass to the corner of the end zone. And I particularly like it if you have an undersized wide receiver. I thought we were over this. I really did. Obviously, we are not. What is the thinking? Now, the first one, they got away with it because they scored on that possession. The second one, they're at a, on a third and four, and they throw another fade pass. Very low percentage. That was in the possession in the second half where they were down two points. And, yes, they ended up with the field goal that put them ahead. But wouldn't you have so much rather have had a touchdown? And to add to this, yes, we know they were physically dominated, totally dominated in every way in the first half, and they were down two points. This is, we've seen it play out over and over again. One team dominates, but they can't score touchdowns. They're kicking field goals, and then there's the one big play, which Penn State had. Lo and behold, they got a second chance, a second life, and they're still throwing those lousy fade passes, Dustin. I I really, I hate those plays. I mean, I think there's a time and a place for them. You know, like I think on first down, if you got that that one-on-one matchup that you, that you like, you got your big wide receiver on a small corner or whatever. Uh, but I really feel like sometimes, speaking of oversimplification, you know, you get, you get a one-on-one matchup and you're so jubilant to get that one-on-one matchup that you're throwing – at best, a 50-50 ball. At best, right? Like, I think there are some things that the quarterback can do to put his wide receiver in better position. There are, you know, when the ball's in the air, the wide receiver should have better ball skills than the cornerback. So I, I think that that play can be successful, but I really just think it's, you know, the probability of it happening for you, especially when you have the height issue going on there. It's it's not even close to my favorite play. And I just don't think that this Penn State offense is equipped to to do that. And I think I, I really think it's just a celebration of saying, "Ooh, we got what we wanted. We schemed up what we wanted. We got that one on one matchup and, and you throw that like I would much rather see some route concepts that put different guys on different levels of the field and different areas of the field and trying to, trying to, you know, put it on your quarterback to find the open guy instead of just automatically, like it just feels like an easy call. And I think it's an easy call for a reason. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And Rarely. I think percentages, if you look at it, I'm not just doing anecdotally that they were O for two with this on Saturday. I think as you go through, unless you've really got that my six seven receiver against your five foot eleven inch defender, it's not going to work. Speaking of of calls like this, Dustin, the other one was the fourth down and six from the Michigan thirty nine yard line. At this point, no, they didn't have to go for it. They were down, I believe, only a touchdown. I don't really have an issue with going for it. I'm an advocate, and studies show, statistics show, especially when you're on the other team's end of the field, it's the right thing to do. You call a timeout. You Remember, we had two weeks to get ready for this game. Do you not have a play? You know, 
waiting for this kind of moment. This is when your offensive genius is able to scheme somebody open. Instead of a play that is high percentage to get you six, seven, eight yards in your first down, it's a low percentage pass play where they went fairly deep to Parker Washington. What are, again, is it, am I the only one who's looking at it saying, why are you calling that particular play? Or making that particular read, uh, depending on, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't the play call. Maybe it was just what Sean Clifford saw. And again, I mean, uh, that's the one that Parker Washington dove and dropped, right? If I'm remembering that correct. Yeah. Not, didn't, didn't, didn't drop, but had a, had a shot to make the play, but couldn't. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's calling for your quarterback to make a nearly perfect throw in that situation. Because, yeah, Parker Washington's one-on-one, but that dude's on his hip. And I know Parker Washington can do some spectacular things, but again, I mean, what would you say the probability of making that connection on that play from that uh, angle was maybe 10%? Uh, I would, I would much rather like keep it simple. Like all, all season to this point, you've been asking your wide receivers to get in space and make plays after the catch. Why not do the same thing here? If you got to show it, throw, I'd, I'd rather you throw it short of the sticks and ensure that that ball is caught then throw it like that with a quarterback who doesn't really have a future on, on Sundays, you know, like he's uh, making that throw. Isn't what is in Sean Clifford's wheelhouse, but I do feel like Sean Clifford uh, is overconfident about what is in his wheelhouse. And that's one of the things that kind of keeps following him around is that he has a sincere belief that he can make that throw, even though we've got three, three and a half years of evidence that says you're probably not making that throw. That's, that's a problem. And, and Dustin, right along that same line, we know they didn't do a good job on third down. We know all season they haven't been doing a good job on third down. But to me, I think perhaps what's more damning, and I, I can't remember who to give credit to for this statistic, six times they had third down where they needed four yards or less and only converted twice. So they're at 33% when it's third down and short. Again, do you not have plays as an offensive coordinator that you're scheming, that you feel confidence in? I didn't see that at all. And and this was one of those games. Well, I, I, I forget the game. The game kind of eludes uh, uh, me where Franklin went for a fake kick early. And I'll let you think about that um, in a game where he wasn't outmatched. So this is a game where you are outmatched. And to me, it screams like misdirection, flea flicker, double reverse, like not highly gimmicky plays, but things that are going to get that defense going one direction and try to catch them by surprise going the other direction. There wasn't a whole lot inventive about what the, like Penn State played this game very straight up. And I feel like if they're going to play this game at Michigan straight up, they're going to lose this thing 97 times out of a hundred. So why don't you get a little bit more inventive and, and go a little deeper in your playbook for some things that might give you a chance to catch them by surprise. You should have recognized early in this game, the way things were going. And I think you got to pull some more stuff out of your hat. They didn't pull a single thing, trick play gadget, anything out of their hat. And I felt like, who knows, you know, you, you land a surprising blow early and maybe it changes things. And to me, it didn't even have to be the trick plays. How about just a little, a, just a little bit of creativity, Dustin, 
and uh, we certainly didn't see that. All right, we still have lots more to talk about. That's it for quarter number two. Stick around for more. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd-pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, we're continuing our conversation about Penn State, Michigan, as painful as it is. And it's, it's leading to some bigger questions. I, I spent quarter number two kind of nitpicking, looking at individual plays, and maybe not any one single one of them was a turning point in this game, but Michigan allowed you to stay in this game at least through halftime, even though they had 18 first downs to your one, even though everyone's favorite statistic, Penn State, had two touchdowns to one first down. But that kept you in the game and gave you really a second chance, a second life, and they did nothing with it. Is it now time to have some of these other conversations? I mentioned earlier that my conversations with Penn State fans, it changed from, it wasn't disappointment, it was anger. And that anger is directed a couple places. The obvious one, James Franklin. And we could throw all the stats out there, you know, 2-14 and 14 against top 10 teams. Where does James Franklin stand right now? Remember a year ago, he was a candidate for major jobs like at USC. 
where what is his status right now? Well, within Penn State's athletic department, um, I'm sure there's there's an, a note, uh, uh, you know, tracking, you know, just how successful they have been or haven't been, you know, in these big games. And that two and fourteen record is a pretty good indication of how they've performed in in big games. Uh, you've got, you know, a new athletic director who didn't sign him to that extension. However, you've got a lot of good faith with James Franklin because I, I think he's a really good employee. He's a good organizational guy. Uh, he's continued to get talent in there. He's continued to put Penn State in position with top 10 rankings and thing like, things like that, which they were this past weekend. Um, so I think there's still plenty of good faith left in that athletic department. but you know, as well, I'm sure we'll talk about going forward. I mean, you've got a couple huge weeks coming up where they've got to get back to who they are and, and still keep on the table, you know, 41, 17 to Michigan, even if you got owned, you know, the perception of that can really change. If you take care of business against Minnesota, may, yeah, you lose to Ohio state in all likelihood, maybe you finish nine and three, 10 and two, but if you take care of business the rest of the way, we're talking about this a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, I think the same, it's like Groundhog Day, the same issues, the same questions, the same setbacks, the same trends with bye weeks and, you know, coming after emotional losses, how good, the, how bad they've been after those. I mean, you're seeing the same thing really over and over and over again. And Penn State is good enough to keep making money. They're good enough to remain, you know, in that top 10 conversation. They just have that amount of respect. And as long as that's the case, and especially with, you know, a, a coach-friendly contract, a very coach-friendly contract, I don't think he's going anywhere at this point unless things really go off the rails or unless he really wants to go somewhere. And, you know, what seems to be jumping out to me, and like I know this is one week, it's one loss, but it's also in the context of something bigger where I think James Franklin can build a program as well as anybody. He can bring one back as well as anybody. He can build a base of talent and build an organizational structure that can take you from three and nine, you know, to eight and four, as well as any coach in America. I just don't know that we really know anything about his ability to, to sustain high level success like this. You know, we've seen them have it, but they haven't sustained it. They had that huge 2016 season, and that really feels like it's the start of something, right? Good teams again, and I made my made this clear in my notes, in 17, 18, 19, but they had disappointing losses in all those, the teams that they shouldn't have lost to. So even his best teams at Penn State have lost games they shouldn't. Even his best team overall, 2016, got thumped by Michigan that year. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's earned some good faith, and I think, he, you know, his, his student-athletes, um, are very representative of what Penn State wants in their student athletes. They go to quality bowl games. They play well uh, early. They, you know, I think they do so many good things. But you know, it kind of comes down to what exactly do you want here, and do you do you still believe that James Franklin can get you what you want? If what you want is college football playoff bursts and being into contention for Big Ten titles, it really feels just as far away today as it as it has ever before. Going into this game, Dustin, or even going into the season, I thought 10-2 and two was the high side of what Penn State can do. I always do it. Here are the wins, and I picked out seven of them. Here are the losses. I picked out two of them, Michigan and Ohio State. And I said there were three toss-up games, Purdue 
and Auburn were two of those toss-up games, and they won those games. My third toss-up game was actually Michigan State, probably better to say Minnesota now, but they could finish this season 10-2, and and I still get the feeling that Penn State fans will be disappointed because of the way they lost this Michigan game, and you know, I was going to wait for the fourth quarter to kind of get into that looking forward, but let me look at the pass for a second as an indicator of where they're going. You make up the great point about they lost games that they shouldn't have, but there's another element to this, Dustin, which is they lose games after that first loss that they shouldn't. And I brought this up with our buddy Andy Shea saying, you know what, Andy, the bigger question might be what happens if they lose to Michigan. And Andy said, well, Jim, maybe that's a conversation for next week. Let them lose first before asking it. Okay, I'm asking it now. Because in 27, they blew that lead to Ohio State, late lead, The following week, they lose to a Michigan State team that they should not have lost to. Deja vu all over again. 2018, lose a heartbreaker to Ohio State, then lose to a Michigan State team they shouldn't lose to. After losing to Indiana in the COVID year, everything spiraled downhill. After losing the heartbreaker to Iowa last year, what do they do? Lose to an absolutely bad um, Illinois team. So, Dustin, that's my question. For a guy who preaches 1-0 and every week, how come his teams always have a hangover after they lose? Well, I mean, that very thing, and we've talked about that a bunch, that very thing is what hangs in the balance now. I mean, can you address that? Uh, you get rocked by Michigan. Um, can you get back on course after that? You know, I, th- I think... Uh, you know, when it comes to their ability to recover and move on and, and be themselves again, it's almost like getting blown out is almost better than ha- them having taken Michigan to the wire and losing it in crushing fashion. Like, I felt like that might be more likely to hang around uh, this this week coming up before Minnesota comes to town than getting thumped. And maybe you're more angry or you're embarrassed or, you know, it's a it's more of a wake up call. I would also say, let, let's look back six years. They go on the road to Michigan. They lose 49 to 10. You know, at that point in time, you're questioning everything. Is James Franklin the right guy? Is he not the right guy? They, they you know, limp through halftime against this very same Minnesota team once again on your home field. Uh, and then you come back, that Irv Charles play changed everything. And I think that's what you're kind of hoping for is like the spark needs to be found somewhere. And there there is a precedent here of getting crushed on the road by Michigan and then turning it around into something much bigger. Now, you know, the odds of recreating how, how much magic they had in 2016, like I don't really see that happening, but it was a very, very similar tone, very similar feeling, probably very similar questions that were being asked at that point because people were running out of patience. This is year three for James Franklin. There's no excuse anymore. You know, you lost a pit on the road. Two weeks later, you get killed by Michigan. What, you're two and two at that point in time. They changed everything by coming together and rallying to beat uh, Minnesota that, that week. Maybe the same thing could happen here. I just don't know. I don't know if I see it that way, but certainly I, I do feel like getting killed uh, in terms of it lingering is probably better than losing this thing, you know, 41 to 40 because you went for a two point conversion and didn't get it late or something like that. 
My goodness, Dustin, I am with you. I am longing for the glory days of Irv Charles. <laughs> now, going forward, though, this Minnesota game really becomes huge for this team, for James Franklin. You're at home. It's a whiteout. I just saw they're about a touch. Penn State's about a touchdown favorite in this. It now, if you beat Minnesota, you could still lose to Ohio State, and you could still finish the season ten and two, have a New Year's Day bowl game, and by all accounts, I think before this season started, most Penn State fans would take that. So now, in my mind, the question becomes. Is James Franklin capable of having his team get off the mat and recover? You brought up 2016 as the only time that he's shown that ability. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody is longing for 2016 again. And I think now that we're sitting here in 2022, that's still an okay thing to do. But as years pass... It's becoming more like living in the past than it is embracing, you know, where, where they are. But I, you know, I, I feel like there, there's a fighting chance, you know, they, they, they need to find some kind of spark, um, whether that's a big play, whether that's somebody delivering, you know, a big time effort, whatever the case might be. And I do feel like, you know, getting a chance to come back at night in front of your home fans and in that environment, uh, with it having that big game feel and you feeling that loud wave of support behind you at a time where you're kind of lost mentally, maybe after, after the way this game went, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to draw the parallels, you know, back to 2016, the same thing happened at Michigan. They were completely overmatched, you know, completely overmatched and they found themselves, but I, you know, I feel like that's an exception to a rule and, and you don't really, you don't usually see it play out that way, but they're going to hope to find that magic and maybe, I don't know, maybe the blowout loss, maybe you can keep drawing parallels and they, they bring it together. But I do think playing in front of a whiteout crowd at this juncture in time is a is a is a nice twist of fate for, for Penn State. It's a good development for them, timing-wise, to try to get back to being themselves and try to find some confidence again. Uh, I think playing in, in front of those fans in that environment gives you a fighting chance to do it. And James Franklin in his press conference, and he's asked, and I think he's right when he answers he didn't yell at the team. He didn't point out their errors. He told them how much he loves them after this game. I'm just wondering, as nice as that sounds, as right as that sounds, Dustin, when we go into the fourth quarter, I'm going to ask you if this might be the time for tough love, where, you know what, they don't need a pat on the back. They need a kick in the butt. We're going to talk about that in quarter number four. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to quarter number four of the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. All right, Dustin, it's time to put Michigan behind us and look forward to going 1-0 this coming week. Looking forward. Now, if I'm James Franklin, somehow I suspect he's going to go into practice and tell his players, we've got everything in front of us. We win out. We're 11-1. and one. We could win the Big Ten Championship. We could go to the college football playoffs. It's all in front of us. As a Penn State fan, I'm perhaps a little more realistic, and I say, very good chance Penn State's going to be favored in every game except Ohio State. And if they follow true to form, they could be 10-2 and two and playing on New Year's Day. All good things. But it's now up to James Franklin to make that happen. You and I were chatting a little bit off the air. And to follow up on how I finished quarter number three, everything went so bad in this game. Even that defense that had been playing so well had issues. Is this not time for tough love? Is this not time for personnel changes? You shake, got to shake things up. You've got to make this the toughest practice week these players have ever seen in their Penn State careers. Is that not the route to take here? I mean, for sure, I think in the locker room after this game, there's at least a speech that says, how do you feel? You feel, you feel embarrassed? Do you feel like your pride's been hurt? Good, because your pride should be hurt after that game. After that game. You know, that's not a team that's more physically talented than us, talented than us. That is a team that wanted it more and they wanted to cram it down our throats and they did it at every single turn. At what point 
did you guys decide that you weren't going to fight back? You weren't going to push back on it. Those guys wanted it way more than we did. And they took whatever they wanted from us. So, yeah, I, I think that sort of personal challenge needs to be in play for this team. I think you need to, you, you can have it both ways where you can say, hey, the season, it, it's still out there for us. You know, one loss doesn't define a season. We still have our opportunities. You can say that, but you also have to say, you know, that wasn't a talent issue. That was an intensity, physicality. We got beat up by them. That was them wanting it more than us. And that's how that's how you challenge the players, I think. If, if there was ever a time to challenge a player on, on that, now now was the time. So I, I think you can give them some tough love, you know, and I'm not, I know that that's not James Franklin's style, but I do think you make this an intense week of practice. I do think you focus on physicality because everybody who's on Penn State schedule just saw what happened to them and can say, can give themselves a little pep talk and say, hey, you know what? If we get physical, if we get nasty with them, if we, if we punch them in the gut early, maybe we can do the same thing. So the challenge is there for Penn State to obviously play better. Uh, but the challenge more so for Penn State is to is to look themselves in the mirror and say, we're not going to let that happen again. And James Franklin's messaging, I feel like whether you wrap it up in a positive bow or not, whether you it's tough love or, you know, encouragement or whatever is, is to say, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, was I ready for that? And the answer is going to be no for everybody. And now the question is, how do we get you ready for that? And this is probably to beat you up a little bit. So I, I, I think tough love and uh, is the only way to go from here. The way that that game went, Jim, you can't pat them on the back at all. You can't do that at all. They don't deserve a pat on the back. They got embarrassed. And I think you got to ride that. You got to use that embarrassment as fuel. And you know what? I think it's also time for, for shakeup. Now, they play so many guys, it's a little tougher to do that. But it, to my layperson's eyes, there were some issues with the linebackers, okay? And if that's accurate, now the coaches are going to watch the film. They're going to be able to identify some players on that defense who weren't tough enough, didn't have good angles, didn't wrap on their tackles, Tyler Elston. You maybe need to make some changes there. My question is, and I don't think this will happen, you know all year we've been hearing people hollering for Drew Aller to come in in place of Sean Clifford. Now, I have not been one of those folks, and I'm not even looking at this game and saying, oh, it's on Sean Clifford because he did something so wrong. I just didn't see anything he did right, okay? I would say you start Drew Aller... Not so much because of how bad Sean Clifford's playing, but to send a message to the rest of this team, nobody is safe. No position is secure here. After that performance, if I could put the whole second team in in place of the whole first team, this might be the time. It was that bad and that embarrassing. I mean, I can't argue with the tone that that would, would send. And you also have the fact that Sean Clifford's banged up with apparently a shoulder issue where, um, yeah, I mean, make him feel the heat a little bit. That's what happened in 2020, made him feel the heat a little bit and made him kind of get back and, and refocus on things. Um, I also wouldn't object to having Kobe King and Abdul Carter being there with Curtis Jacobs in that in that starting lineup. That's an e- That's an easy thing to see. You know, Tyler Elsden, if Tyler Elsden's not going to wrap up, uh, why is he out there? 
You know, like Kobe King is, is a is a physically uh, superior athlete uh, to Tyler Elson. He just, you know, I think experience kind of wins out. But if Elson's not in the right place and he's not do, he's not form tackling, then there's not a lot of reason to kind of keep rolling with him. He's got to be pretty perfect in the way that he executes those things because he's got some defined weaknesses. Abdul Carter is is, is the closest thing you have a game uh, to a game record at, at that position. Him and Curtis Jacobs. So I think you can shake shake some things up. Um, so some places. And I think if you show that the quarterback position, you know, I, I just feel like James Franklin has been so uh, shy when it comes to the symbolic decision-making at the quarterback spot. I don't think it's his style to, to, sh- to scare the entire roster by benching Sean Clifford, uh, even though that's something that probably a lot of fans would like to see at this point. But maybe, maybe he's nicked up and, and maybe you can talk yourself into believing that Drew Aller gives you a better chance to win. I just think that if Sean Clifford is 70% healthy or better, there's no way James Franklin uh, isn't going to start him. Well, Dustin, I think the issue and starting Drew Aller may not be that right decision, but I think James Franklin, along with the players and his coaching staff, needs to look in the mirror himself and say, I have some issues here. You know, I've had a vastly, I've had a superior team, maybe not Ohio State good or Alabama good, but certainly better than 500 good over the last two years. And I've been a 500 coach. And this was not a game against Michigan, as you pointed out. It's not a case where the other team has so much more talent than my team. So, James, if the talent's comparable, is it not time to look look in the mirror yourself? And who knows? I mean, maybe this is something that, uh, a lesson he's been trying to teach about physicality that just got taught the hard way by an opponent. Uh, because I don't think there's anybody on the planet who would say that Penn State's a, a physical team. Um, and I think they're there if they the fact that they're not a physical team is why you lose to Illinois in nine overtimes last year. You know, they made a commitment to be more physical, too. So now it's like, OK. What, what do we do about that now? And I think that that is a coaching philosophy thing. That's a, a challenge to the players at this point in time. Uh, how are we going to respond to this? Um, because this is this is a choice that could be made program wide and by individuals to, to embrace that physical nature of the game. You know, I, I, I saw on several occasions over the weekend the word finesse team being used to describe Penn State. And you know what? I think it's a pretty accurate term. And I think when, when that's the category that you're in and you're going against one of the most physical teams in the country, this is what happens. And uh, I think, again, these are choices and philosophies that, that Penn State, I don't think has been, has been making if that's what the result's going to be. And if even when you have a finesse team, meaning you're going to want explosive plays, you want to throw it deep, you want to chuck it all around the field – and if you watch Tennessee play Alabama, those are teams, you know, chucking the ball all around. But you know what? At the line of scrimmage, you could still be a physical team and still look for um, explosive plays, right? Yeah, it's not an either or. Being a physical team doesn't mean that you're a 1950s throwback team. That's just the choice that Jim Harbaugh makes. You can be physical at the point of attack. Uh, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, if, if Penn State had a game-changing quarterback, maybe you don't have to be the most physical team up front. 
maybe if you have Hendon Hooker, who 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 led Tennessee to a win over Alabama, dual threat, you know, big arm, future NFL guy, you have some margin for error. I think that's kind of the point here is that Sean Clifford doesn't present that margin for error. For He's not the guy who's going to throw his team on his back and make all the plays. He's not going to be on an island making plays by himself. And that's kind of part of the issue here is that if you don't have a, a guy who's going to do that for you, you better be pretty good in all other phases. And they were not good uh, up front on either side of the ball. And, you know, when the defense is getting rocked the way that they were, they just didn't have the punch offensively because they were getting owned up front to play complimentary and, and bail that defense out. Uh, we kind of knew that was going to be, be the case. And I think the hope for a Penn State win was that Penn State's defense was legit. And they weren't. You know, Michigan ran 65% of their plays on Penn State's side of the field. They, ga- they gained nine yards per carry on first down to Penn State's 2.5. I mean, they just got owned in all, all kinds of ways. And Clifford clearly wasn't the guy to, to put that team on his back and, and do something about it. Okay, Dusty, time to look forward. Uh, the Minnesota game, Penn State's either a six or seven point favorite based on what I looked at. What do you foresee Minnesota game specifically, which is going to set the tone for the rest of the season? Well, I think I think they have the desire, especially if Tanner Morgan doesn't play and they're down to their backup quarterback. He was carted off. I don't really know what his status is or is going to be for Saturday. It might come down to the to wire but you know Mo Ibrahim is uh is a physical back and I think they're going to want to try to replicate what what Michigan was able to do now in terms of their offensive line and things like that I don't I don't know that that's going to be a formula they can completely get behind but Mo Ibrahim is going to be a challenge and I think they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror real quick and try to rise to that challenge I think they win this game though Jim I like their ability to bounce back because of the whiteout uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say 30 to 23. I think it's right around. Like I saw five as a spread too. Um, I think Penn State wins, but I think it's a game the whole way through. And I think Mo Ibrahim probably goes for a buck 50 plus. What's interesting is you said you saw five points. The first early spread I saw was seven. Then I saw six. Now you're saying five. People that like Minnesota. Where the folks? Yeah. All right, Dusty. That is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trails Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.